Welcome in to Black and Abdallah on ESPN 1000. Don't forget you can watch us on Twitch, twitch.tv slash ESPN 1000 Chicago. Also, listen on the ESPN Chicago app. Be sure to have that thing downloaded. It can be mighty handy when you're on the go. Maybe you're in a store or something, going grocery shopping. Pop on the ESPN Chicago app. That way you can take us in your pocket wherever you are going. Talking a lot of bears with you as week 14 in the NFL getting set to kick off in about 15 minutes. It'll be the Raiders and the Rams to usher in the new week of the NFL season. Uh, One of the things with these Amazon games is you look at some of these matchups from the preseason and they look like much better matchups then than they do now. I think this is one of the prime examples we get of that. Uh, You got the defending Super Bowl champs and a team that was completely revamped, got some big names in the offseason like Devontae Adams. And now you get to, to week 14 and it's kind of a dud. And that just kind of shows you how life can turn in the NFL so quickly. And I think that's a big reason for optimism with the Bears. Life can turn so quickly for this team from where they are right now at 3-10, and 10, already eliminated from the playoffs, and the worst team in the NFC to all of a sudden... You might be able to do something, and you might be able to make a little bit of a playoff run next year. The Bears, in all likelihood, are going to have that fourth spot in the division. So that makes the schedule a little bit easier for you next year. And some people say, well, it's only two games. But in the NFL, two games can be very meaningful when it comes to final standings. And especially when you have the quarterback that you have right now in Justin Fields if he can beat up on some bad defenses next year. Because if you look at some of the the last place teams in the NFL and you look at their futures, especially within the NFC, who do you feel best about moving forward? Do you feel better about the Bears or do you feel better about the Panthers or Saints? Do you feel better about the Bears or the likes of the Rams or the Cardinals? Do you feel better about the Bears or Washington? Even though Washington right now is 7-5-1, I still think if you surveyed anyone in the NFL, given an offseason, who would you rather be, the Bears or the Commanders? I think everyone's rolling with the Bears there. 312-332-3776. If you want to talk Bears or anything else on your mind, let's go to Freddie. He's on the south side. Freddie, you're on Black and Abdallah. You guys are the best sports analysts in the world. Black and Abdallah. Hey, who's going to win more games in 2023, the Bears or the White Sox? Is it? Who do you think will have more wins <laughs> at the end of 2023? At the end of 2023. You think the Chicago White Sox or the Bears? I'll go with the Bears, Freddie. We'll have more wins than the White Sox? Uh, no. Do you think the Sox still have a shot at Manny Machado? (laughs) All right, Tim. This was fun. That was fun. That's Tim on the south side. Um, 312-332-3776 if you want to jump on into the conversation here. So... Looking at some of the other things with with the Bears and what you still need to see, there's still a couple other things that I need to see out of this Bears team. And I think we may be trending a little bit in the right direction with some of it. Um, Jaquan Brisker is a guy that I want to see continued development from. Kyler Gordon is another guy that I want to see continued development from. Um, Those are some of your fundamental pieces moving forward. And I think... When you've got a a Ryan Poles, his first two draft picks, I think those are going to be critical. Because remember, part of the criticism of Ryan Poles was 
hey, he didn't go out and help Justin Fields offensively in in the offseason, whether it was the draft, whether it was the, the free agency signings, whether it was any trades that were made. He didn't do enough to help him in that manner. But I, I think that when you look at the pieces that he's trying to build defensively, the process is there. He went out and got in a passing league now. He went out and got a safety, and he went out and got a, a cornerback. And in a passing league, I mean, you think about one way that the Bears could have maybe stifled some of these Packers runs over the last couple of years is if he had a better pass defense, a guy that could make Aaron Rodgers, make life difficult on Aaron Rodgers from a coverage standpoint. I think it's tough to evaluate both Kyler Gordon and Jaquan Brisker and what they've done in year one this season just because of the fact that there is no pass rush and that is generous, I think, as well. Um, and when you're being asked to cover guys for five, seven seconds at times, you're not going to have a lot of success. Offense is always going to win on those sort of plays there. So I think it's been tough to sort of evaluate what they are doing to to this season. Three one two three three two three seven seven six. Rob's on the southwest side. Rob, you're on Black and Abdallah. What's up, guys? How are you feeling tonight? Good, Rob. What you got for us tonight? Good, good, man. Hey, don't want to get too technical with you guys with the X's and O's, but I don't know if you guys recall uh, during like our big uh, defensive units, we used to run a defense called uh, a four three under. Do you guys remember? Hunter yeah, the old Tampa two. Yep. Well, Tampa two. Yep. That that was you know the, the safeties are dropping back. Now we used to put our third linebacker on the defensive line mm-hmm. to cover up that tight end. What that allows to do is it allows our linebackers to free to flow freely. It doesn't allow guards to be uncovered, and they have like basically direct routes at our linebackers. So what I was wondering is that can you guys get any way to get this question in front of Loose? Why aren't we using, you know, proven techniques? Because what we're doing right now, if you guys have noticed on rundowns, we're running a four-three. But we have three linebackers off the ball. Number 44, I think it's Adams or whatever. Yep, Nick Adams. Yeah, have you noticed that he's always off the ball? He's never on the line. Mm -hmm. Yep, yep, he's never on the line. That's completely different to what we've done in the past, where we have more uh, people on the defensive line, which that therefore allows us to have more freedom for our linebackers to run around. So I would love to get that question in front of Flus. Why has he made any adjustments in our alignments? And just looking at previous Bears' defensive plans and schemes, that they're much more effective against the run because that allows you to put an actual nose tackle. If you notice the way we defend the run right now, we cover guards. We don't cover the center. We Before, we used to have defensive tackles over the guards or over what they call a three-eye technique right outside of the guard, and there, there was a nose tackle always pushing that center towards the back. And it's just so much more effective defense to run that I just wanted to know, can you guys please get this question somehow in front of Flus? I would love to hear his response. Uh, yeah, I appreciate the phone call there, Rob. And I would say part of it is personnel issues, I think, maybe are, are prevented. Because remember, like Hunter Hillenmeyer was a pretty good player in his own right. And then you think about the two guys that were next to him as well, Lance Briggs, Brian Erlacher, or Erlacher. Um 
I, I think you you look at those three linebackers, those are three of the better ones that the Bears have had in their history. And if you if you kind of have that combination, it makes life easier on everyone. There's no future Hall of Famer in that Bears linebacking room right now. I, I mean, you can say what you want about, about Jack Sanborn, and he's one of the guys that's certainly been a surprise and been a nice addition and someone that you might see on your roster moving forward, but there's no future Hall of Famers or, or future Pro Bowlers, I don't think, on that Bears linebacking core right now. So 312-332-3776 if you want to jump on in as well. Um, there's there's some other stuff that I want to get to, too, with um, Justin Fields and sitting out. You know, this has been a question that has been thrown around on all the shows this week. You've seen it in the national scope as well. You, it, it kind of spearheaded itself um, when Alex Brown was on with, with Cap and Jay Hood, as he is every single Monday at 9 a.m. And then Charles Barkley was asked about it with Waddle and Sylvie yesterday. Here's what I would say about Justin Fields and him potentially sitting out by, by coach's decision out of protection, right? keeping him protected. There's three reasons why, in my eyes, you should not be sitting out Justin Fields. Number one is that he is not a finished product. He is far from a finished product. In fact, there's very few quarterbacks in all of football that are finished products that I would be saying to do that. In fact, there's no quarterback in the NFL that really I would be advocating for this. If you're healthy, you got to go out there and play. It doesn't matter if you're you're Patrick Mahomes, unless it's like one of those situations where you get to the last week of the year and you sit him out because the game is meaningless. But with a young guy like Justin Fields, he is far from a finished product. You've got all these people out there saying how oh he's got to develop more as a as a passer. Yeah, he does, and that's why these game reps are valuable for him. That's why he should still continue to be out there. Another reason, too, you want to see that confidence grow with him. Like, you look at the last couple... Let's go back to last year, all right? There was one confidence-growing game that you saw out of Justin Fields, and it's the game that you pointed to for any stroke of optimism that you wanted regarding Fields. It was always that Steelers game, right? That Steelers game was going to be the the thing that you wanted to see more of here in 2022. And I think you're starting to see more of those types of performances. How many, there's a lot of things too where that Steelers game, I think, came to a culmination because of the fact that he got some of those prior game reps and just saw how fast the NFL moved and learned the angles of the game too. Like, I can remember times where you you know how this this season you see justin fields he'll drop back pressure will come in his face and he'll spin out to his left and get to the outside outside the pocket and then make something happen down the field right when that happens i you didn't see that happen as much last year and or if it did you would see it result in Fields getting sacked behind the line for a, a mega loss, sometimes like 8 to, to 10 yards behind the line. And learning the angles of the game, I think, is a big reason why now you see him, he'll roll out, 
and, and he'll or he'll spin out of that that grasp of the pressure and he'll turn it into a big gain. He'll turn it into a 25-yard run. He'll turn it into a 12-yard first down pickup. That is learning. And that is something that if he didn't have those reps last year, I don't think we're seeing him have the success he has running the football this year. A third reason is this. Don't be the guy who's upset about the lack of two-minute drive finishes and want to see him sit out. There could be a couple of opportunities for maybe Justin to finish one of these two-minute drives. It has not been very successful. You you heard the stat that this season he's only had one game-winning drive um, with a chance to tie or take the lead, and he really didn't even lead that drive. That was the Texans game. So he essentially sit on the football for a couple of plays and let Cairo Santos come out there and kick a a 30-some-odd-yard field goal. I look at the reps. I want to see him with more of these two-minute reps. Like, sure, is he failing at them right now? Yes, you cannot deny it. He has not really succeeded on a single two-minute drive rep at the end of games to win a game for the Chicago Bears this season. But I want to see him go out and have more opportunities, learn more, experiment a little bit as well. Like, learn what works, learn what doesn't work. Because at the end of the day, like, you can say, oh, the Bears, they need to tank the, the rest of the season to, to make sure they've got that proper draft position. Listen, the losses are going to take care of themselves. When you look at the rest of the season, you've got a game at home against the Eagles, you got a game at home against the Bills. Those losses are going to take care of themselves. Those are two Super Bowl caliber teams right now that I don't think the Bears have a chance to beat. And if you do beat them, that means Justin Fields is doing something damn special. And you're feeling really, really good. Like, I don't think the Bears are beating either of those teams unless Justin Fields is going out there throwing for 275 and probably running for another 75 on the ground. The Bears' defense just isn't good enough to beat those teams right now. The offense might be good enough to go head-to-head with it, but the defense right now, certainly not in that caliber. So you can't be the person who's upset with him sitting out and also being, or that wants him to sit out while also being upset that he hasn't had enough two-minute game-winning drive success this year because I think those opportunities are going to come down the stretch. 312-332-3776. It's Black and Abdallah. You're listening to Black and Abdallah. ESPN 1000. Chicago's home for sports. Gentlemen, it's that time of year again. It's Christmas and you need to get her the perfect gift. So ignite passion this holiday season with Spark of Romance Pajamas. The stuff relationships thrive on. Drapey, silky spark of romance pajamas. Exclusively at Pajamagram. These PJs are touchably soft, smooth on the skin. Just the thing you want to see your special someone in. Luxurious detailing with a sensational curve-loving fit. When you give Spark of Romance Pajamas to her, it's needless to say, but it's a gift you You'll both love. Ready to ignite holiday passion? Head to pajamagram.com today and order Spark of Romance pajamas, and they'll even wrap it up for you with free gift packaging. Order today, ships tomorrow, arrives before Christmas, wrapped and ready to give. Again, that's Spark of Romance pajamas at pajamagram.com, and tell them Bleck and Abdallah sent you. 
and you're at home, don't miss Black and Abdallah. I got stories that'll raise the hair in your head. Tell your smart speaker to play ESPN 1000. I'm rather looking forward to it. Black and Abdallah. On ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports. Here on ESPN 1000, 100.3 HD2, also the ESPN Chicago app. And don't forget, you can watch the show on Twitch as well, twitch.tv slash ESPN 1000 Chicago. Fucking Bears with you. We got week 14 of the NFL season underway. The Bears won't be participating this week, but there's plenty of NFL stuff going on, and things are, are getting weird out in L.A., because this is a game where we may see multiple quarterbacks for the L.A. Rams because Baker Mayfield is a Los Angeles Ram right now. It was a little interesting to me to see that the San Francisco 49ers didn't put a claim in. Obviously, this Rams move, probably one more so to to block the the Niners as opposed to actually go out and try to develop your quarterback too, but an interesting move nonetheless as the Rams and Vegas Raiders already underway. That game is in the first quarter right now. So each week here on Bleck and Abdallah, I usually get a chance to to share a little bit of what I'm seeing in college basketball right now. And it's been a heck of a start to the year in college basketball. We've seen really a rotating cast in terms of supremacy right now. And some people think, oh, it's you, you got UNC heading into the season as the number one team in the sport. They they get the Sports Illustrated cover. They're recreating an old SI cover from way back in the day. Um, that's the team, right? Now you see Houston as the number one team in college basketball. They are my preseason pick to win the whole thing this year. The NCAA tournament's going to play be played down in Houston. Jim Nance is going to be on the call for the his final national championship game. He's a Houston alum. So feels like stars are kind of aligning down in Houston right now for the Cougars to cut down the nets. Some people thought up until, what was that, Tuesday, that Texas was the best team in the country. But then they lose in overtime to Illinois. That was a game that was a ton of fun. Um, Texas is a good team. I think Illinois is a really good team as well. Um, you look at what Illinois can do. They've got a guard who's a freshman right now. His name's Sky Clark. Once upon a time, committed to Kentucky. But he's a guy who has been wild playing beyond his years right now. He's not turning the basketball over. He's facilitating really well for this team. He just looks like a guy who's a junior or a senior, and he's only a freshman. And that's what you get sometimes with these five stars. There's other people out there who think Purdue could be the number one team in the country right now. Zach Eady, right? Seven foot four, tower. Guess what? He's putting together a really impressive stretch. He scored 20 plus points in eight straight games. Usually you see these seven foot, seven foot guys in college basketball and they can't do a lot of scoring. They're shot blockers. They're just playing basketball because they're tall. Not Zach Eady. It looked like he wasn't having a ton of fun playing basketball last year. 
but that's completely changed for this season. He looks like a guy who could end up being the player of the year in the entire sport. Virginia has been one of the biggest surprises. They're right there in tandem with Purdue for the biggest surprises in college basketball this season. They've been a lot of fun to watch. And guess what? We've got Houston taking on Virginia in nine days from now. That game is going to be awesome. Cannot wait for that one. But Houston, they've also got a a big game this weekend, too. They're going to take on Alabama. Top 10 Alabama team. I know you think Alabama, they're they're a football school. No, they've been pretty damn good at basketball the last couple of years. You've heard me highlight that with Adam Abdallah here. But I really like what I've seen out, out of Alabama. They've got a super talented freshman, Brandon Miller. So that there's some really good college basketball action taking place. The one team that I would say, keep your eye out for this team, that is the UConn Huskies. Because what they have done in the early portion of the season is really impressive to me. They've got a stud big man, Adama Sanogo, who's averaging about 18.5 points, 7 rebounds for this UConn team. And they've also got a defensive stalwart as well in Andre Jackson Jr. He's a guard. He plays tremendous defense, also a good facilitator. I really think this UConn team, a lot of people, myself included, kind of followed the trend and thought Creighton was the best team in the Big East, the team that would kind of take the mantle now that Villanova looks like it was on the out and out. UConn now looks like the team that is going to take over that that Big East mantle. It's not going to be Creighton, I don't think. I, I really like this UConn team. They're a lot of fun to watch. I've watched the last couple of their games. They've been really good. They're out to a 10-0 start this season. Also, they've got a center, 7-footer Donovan Klingon, who can also step out and shoot a little bit. But he's averaging two blocks, and he's a, a guy that I think off the bench for this team can be really, really effective. Now, here's one thing that college basketball does that is probably my favorite thing to make fun of in college basketball listen no sports perfect right every sport has its warts um football no fun baseball too slow can get a little boring basketball uh people don't really check in until the playoffs because it kind of feels like you know who the final two teams are going to be every single year for me college basketball my favorite thing to make fun of and, and i know people poke fun of oh Nobody watches until March. Yeah, but I do. So um, the net rankings, all right? The net rankings are a computer formula that whoever got the algorithm, if someone were to, to leak the algorithm to this thing, you'd make a lot of money um, because nobody understands the rhyme or reason to it. It is one of the things that it just spits out a giant formula and it gives you the rankings. So we got our first iteration of the net rankings, and these are updated every single day, by the way. After every day's completion, you get a fresh set of net rankings. So Houston is number one in the net. UConn is number two. Purdue checks in at three. Tennessee at four. And then at five, you've got Mississippi State, a team that I don't think a lot of people knew had a good basketball program. Right now... If you go to to the uh, AP poll, Mississippi State is ranked 23rd. Perfect 8-0 right now. They're a solid team, defensive-minded team. I think they're, they could make a little bit of noise in the SEC. But there's always these teams that you see within the confines of the net right now that make no sense. A couple days ago, Sam Houston State, out of the whack, 
Sam Houston State was ranked seventh in the net. If anyone can crack the code, anyone that's smart that can kind of figure out what to do, a little back channeling on how to get this algorithm, you'll make some money because this this is a this is a, a really fascinating thing for me. Um, I, I do host a, a college basketball podcast. You can find it on the ESPN Chicago app. It is the Basketball U Pod podcast. Um, I talk all things college hoops, Illinois. Um, I talked about their game against Texas and, and kind of how they could keep it close with them. They went out and had a super impressive game. I was at the Illinois Syracuse game last week. There is nothing like getting steamrolled on the road. I would not wish it upon my worst enemy. Now, it kind of helped too that Syracuse and Illinois each had the, they each have the same colors, right? So you couldn't really tell I was a Syracuse fan unless you I was just really, about to say, did you unless you really looked close? <laughs> did you, unless you really did looked you have close. to hide in shame as you're a Syracuse? Well, it certainly helped that I was with two of my buddies, both of which went to Illinois. Um, so it kind of like was like, oh, it's just three Illinois fans, right? Not true. There was two and one. Oh, you get the um, old blend in trick or root there. Yep. Mm-hmm. And you could kind of blend in there. But that atmosphere down at uh, the State Farm Center was awesome. The place was sold out, got loud when Illinois was going on runs. Coleman Hawkins had a triple-double in that game. A lot of fun to watch. This Illinois team's really good. They're currently at 10 in the net rankings right now. Their lone loss is a road loss. Or rather, they've got two losses, one of which came to Virginia out in Las Vegas. Virginia's a, a super good team right now. The other came at Maryland or uh, about a week ago, um, that was a road game to open up Big Ten play. But no worries about this Illinois team. I think they're really, really strong, really, really talented as well. Speaking of my Syracuse Orange, they are playing Georgetown this weekend. And I don't know if people saw this, all right? So on on the podcast, I do a segment called Done or Dead, all right? Is a team done or are they dead, all right? Like to Shay Norling, shout out Snorling, dead team walking. Are they done or dead? Done, you can be revived, right? Like, if you're done, you, you can you can get back up. Okay, okay. But if you're dead, there's no coming back from dead, all right? I said earlier this week, Georgetown, the team that Syracuse is playing this weekend, are they done or dead? And here is the, the genesis of it. Georgetown, if you saw this, they tweeted out earlier in the week that if you are a D.C. resident, all you got to do is show your ID, D.C. resident, you can get into the game against Siena on Wednesday for free. If you saw some of the pictures from that Siena game, there was nobody there. What? A one-time prominent team, DMV area, good recruiting base. You can find a lot of really talented players in D.C., Maryland, Virginia. It was empty in there. They're led by Patrick Ewing, someone who probably should have been fired. After last season, after seeing the attendance at that game, I call them done. All right, put, put a skewer in them. They're, like, they're, they're dead. dead. They're, they're dead. They didn't that even show program, up out of curiosity. That program is dead. I mean, first of all, it's a it's embarrassing enough that you have to go out there and put your team out on life support and say, "Hey, we need some fans." So if you're a DC resident, come on in. You're getting in for free. Nobody showed up to that game. I don't have the attendance numbers in front of me, but if you look at the the pictures from that, it was embarrassing. Absolutely embarrassing. It's really what they sad. Were rolling it's a legendary program right there. Yeah. 
And, and you think about it, like, there are some great players that, are, like, I mentioned Patrick Ewing, Allen Iverson. Like, there is pedigree there. Jordan Brand School, which, by the way, that's another one of my favorite things about Georgetown, too, is having to see Patrick Ewing every single game wearing Jordan apparel. He's like, blocked is, it out of his mind at Isn't this point. that Mike? Like, like, Mike gets his revenge on dudes. And not even like Mike needed revenge on Patrick Ewing because the, the Bulls, to, the Michael Jordan led Bulls took care of, of Patrick Ewing and the Knicks. But like, you know, that brings a little bit of extra satisfaction to MJ. He's definitely a petty person. So yes. I can see that bring a little satisfaction. Definitely brings a little <laughs> extra satisfaction to Jordan. But I'm calling him dead. They are officially dead, the Georgetown Hoyas. All right, when we come back, I've got a uh, got some Fortnite notes. You a Fortniter over there, Kendra? I am not. You are not. My nephew is starting to get into Fortnite. All right. He's only three, well, so. does does he live in Canada by chance? <laughs> no. Okay. Well, I've got Canada and Fortnite notes coming up for you next. You are listening to Black and Abdallah, ESPN One Thousand, Chicago's home for sports. Chicago's home for sports. Black and Abdallah, ESPN 1000, and now on Digital FM at 100.3 HD2. This is the perfect song for a little bit of video game conversation, isn't it? Uh, we will get to that in just a little bit, but oh no, what do we have here on a Thursday night? Mitchell is in the splains. Mitchell, what's going on? Hey, the team Aries. How are you? I'm uh, good. I'm... What, Mitchell? By the way, before we get, what team are you? I'm Team Taurus. Team Taurus. A, uh, All right. My my son is in Taurus. My ascendant is in Libra, which is ruled by Venus. They're both ruled by Venus, Taurus and Libra. And my moon is in Cancer, and the moon rules Cancer in the fourth house. So I'm very much very aware of what's going on in the Zodiac. But I digress, Team Aries. All right. I want to bring to your attention three things. One, you talked about in 1970 or 1997, you were born, right? Correct, well, yep. In 1997, the Bears had Eric Kramer, and they made a trade for a guy named Rick Meyer. Rick Meyer played three games that season. Because uh, Eric Kramer broke his neck the year before. The last Bears game that I went to was in 1996, the year before, when Kramer went down with that broken neck. And Dave Craig, the 17-year veteran, okay, that played from both Seattle, a bunch of different teams, he came in and he threw a bomb. I saw it live. It's the last time I was in Soldier Field. So when you talk about from a centennial mentality of regarding your experience as a Bears quarterback, you're not, you're just scratching the surface, Daddy O. Because let me tell you the facts. Regarding Justin Fields, here's the biggest problem. You cannot put Jalen and Jared Allen in the same category as Trubisky in terms of his development because they're mutually exclusive, Daddy O. Do you know what I'm saying? They're mutually I get exclusive. You. So that means, for those that don't understand mutually exclusive, go look it up, you vapid mind and neophyte. <laughs> Justin Fields. All right, we don't need name calling here, Mitchell. No, okay, you're right. You're absolutely right. I digress. Here's my point. The development of Justin Gilt comes down to one thing, is that you have a problem with his mechanics. Now, you can blame it all you want on receivers and Clay, you know, Claypool and this other guy and that guy. It doesn't, it's a moot point. Justin Gilt has a slow delivery in his pocket. 
And this, this, this idea that he was able to turn that around and basically cover his flaws was through this what I call erratic rushing. It's what it's erratic rushing because he never did that at Ohio State and he had problems throwing at Ohio State. So the reality of it all is that you have to look at his mechanics. If you want to really beta test Justin Fields for the next four games, I I I I I ask your listeners to go and do their homework, which they'll never do because they're a bunch of. I, I, I digress. I know you you're about to call a name. I the, right. the moon and, in you is, is was about to call someone a name. And guess what? I took your advice and I pulled back. There and you I'm go. Gonna, I'm going to pull it on the. I'm going to. I'm going to put it on the emphasis, Team Aries, on his mechanics. The two interceptions last week are all on field. It has nothing to do with the receiver. I don't care what you say. It, it, just do your work. Do your research before you make that assessment. And listen, your opinions on the, what I call yours and the uh, the people, the public, is is a It's a mood point. Justin Fields has an issue with regards to his full delivery. And I have documentation to show it. He does not throw in a tight window, and that's what puts him in a problem in terms of regards to throwing downfield. You know, yes, can he throw a one pass during a game? And you want to over not you, but I'm saying that the media wants to over-glamorize this? Yes. The problem is this. Justin Fields has been able to basically deflect his flaws by having this erratic rushing, which has got us 3-10. and 10. So here's what I would recommend to those that want, you know, that want to crown this guy as the next Messiah in the Super Bowl shuffle of 2022. You've got to beat Minnesota, and you've got to beat basically the Lions, because the Lions are ascending. They've won a lot of games. They believe in their coach. The coach believes in them, and they have a better quarterback. Strike one. Strike two. Uh, you've got Vikings. They're at the top of the division. Before you want to crown the MVP of Justin Fields, you might want to start with the division. We are last in division, Team Aries. We are last in terms of the conference, Team Aries. We are last in total rushes. I'm to- sorry, total passing rush, total passing attempts in the NFL with Justin Fields. So I can't stand here because you know what, Team Aries? I'm 53. I saw Gary Huff. I saw Bob Evelini. I saw Kane McDown. I saw Cordell Stewart. They were useless. They couldn't bet. They couldn't get past the fifty. Justin Fields can't do that either. You know what? Can't he can't get past do? the fifty. No, he could do. Eventually, scoring like twenty-eight points a game. Yes, yes, but by his erratic runs. By the way, the Bears have the fantastic running game. They're 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 run they're running backs. Minus Fields was was they had the they had the number one offensive rushing okay, not passing. So Justin Fields, what does he do? He decides to join that party. We have Montgomery. We got Evans with the greatest last name ever because Vince Evans is my greatest, as you know, my favorite quarterback. And by the way, that Evans, that running back, he's awesome. Oh my God, that guy has more. Darrington Evans, than- big Darrington Evans fan. Yeah, yeah. Oh my God, his acceleration. I mean, if you want to talk about pot, you guys are focusing on the wrong position, Daddy O. Evans, Montgomery, obviously the other guys hurt, but I was super impressed. If you want to take away things in 2022, I love Evans. Not just because of his last name, because he showed on when it came down to playing. That guy can break open. I mean, he has electric speed. Listen, you, you, you guys are focusing on the wrong things. We're dead last in the division, Daddy-O. Here's my I, Mitchell, I got, I got a – you ready for a little stat? You want a little stat here, Mitchell? Sure. Vince Evans, you said, was that your favorite Bears quarterback of all time? Yeah. Yeah. The most amount of touchdowns 
that Vince Evans threw in a season was 11. Justin Fields already has 13 this year. Can I give you another stat? Give me another stat. That year, by the way, he also threw for 20 interceptions. All right. Okay, 1980, the Bears played mm-hmm. Green Bay Packers. Yes. Vince Evans was a starting quarterback. He won 61-7. to He had a perfect passing rating in 1980. His top receiver was James Scott. Walter Payton also rushed for a bunch of touchdowns. You have to understand one thing. In ni- when Vince Evans came into the league in 1977, he didn't start till 1980. The offense was all about Walter Payton. It was not a run and shoot. All of basically Vince Evans, he had to struggle to convince then Neil Armstrong to put him the in astronaut? a no, no. Okay, so you don't understand that there was a there was a Chicago Bear coach named Il Strong, named Neil Armstrong, which was the precursor to Mike Ditka. He was there from 1978. Did he to take the Bears to the moon? Did he take them to the moon? He took Vince Evans to the moon because you know why? Neil Armstrong believed in Vince, and they didn't do a run and shoot. They were very conservative. So you got to understand one thing: when Vince came into the league, you want to talk about basically an awakening? I saw this firsthand. The Bears prior to 1977, 1980, when Vince was the starter, he threw on a dime and he threw huge bombs. He threw a huge throw for 67 yards to a guy named Ricky Watts and James Scott for 75 yards. Look it up. Daddy-o. I and will. This is, time, this is a time when the Bears, from 1920 to all the way 1980, they had the most conservative offense, going back to, you know, obviously Sid Luckman. So Vince was by far the biggest pioneer of Bears history. Now, you, you're comparing apples to oranges. The biggest thing is that we got to win our division. All right, hurry up here, now, Mitchell. we got to go. Okay, bottom line. Bottom Vince line, what is it? Bottom line is this. Vince Evans in 1980, 61-7 against the Green Bay Packers. And by the way, Team Aries, because you're from Syracuse, he had a perfect passing rating. And that is the, the bottom, bottom line. line. Have a good weekend, Mitchell. Team All right, that's Mitchell and Desplaines. Oh, he's really going to bat for a quarterback who, whose best passing season 11 touchdowns and 16 interceptions. Another one, 11 touchdowns and 20 interceptions. But I digress here. 312-332-3776. Let me, let me get you this real quick, all right? So out in Canada, all right, out in Quebec, you know, I don't know what, what you're going to walk into when you get home, Kendra, but I already know that when I get home, when I walk in that door, We've got three TVs in my, in my living room right there, all right? Walk in. I'm going to see, as long as all my roommates are home, got two roommates. One TV, the big TV is going to have Thursday Night Football on. Side TVs, both going to be my roommates playing Fortnite. All right? I already know, like, this is formulaic. This is just like, have you seen the, the video of the teacher who walks into class every day? Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. And like every single day, it's the same thing. You know what you're getting when I, I know what I'm getting when I get home. I know I'm going to see them playing Fortnite. All right. So a Quebec class action is alleging Fortnite is addictive. We'll go ahead. A judge rules. A Quebec superior court judge has authorized a class action lawsuit against Epic Games, the developers of the popular video game Fortnite. They're claiming that it created addictive, um, addictive patterns for for kids and it created some troubling behaviors including not sleeping not eating not showering and no longer socializing with their peers it got so out of hand 
that the children allegedly have been spending an excessive amount of money on V-Bucks, which is what you do when you want to buy different skins or whatever. One of the children reportedly spent over $6,000 on skins. There's three parents going in on this class action, by the way. Another spent $600 on V-Bucks that a superior court judge described as without any tangible value. So I saw this story and... First of all, the first thing that went to my mind is I could probably do this with my roommates. I could probably be a part of this class action suit, maybe make a little bit of money off of it if we took this to America. We always talk about on Waddle and Sylvie, there's smart court and then there's dumb court. This would be right up dumb court's alley. Um, But it got me thinking, like, what is the game that my parents always told me? All right, time to wrap it up. Time to go. And for me, I think it was... It was Call of Duty Black, the first Black Ops. I was addicted to that game. I was playing zombies every night. Zombie, like you, you call up your boys, like, "Hey, zombies in five, meet you in the Xbox party," and that it was my game. So, if there's a game for you that your parents would have a case alleging that it is addictive, I want to hear what it is. Three one two three three two three seven seven six. We'll also take any of your other calls as well on Black and Abdallah. Black and Abdallah on ESPN 1000. Chicago's, Chicago's Horse for Sports. It's Black and Abdallah. Follow us on the ground at Black and Abdallah and at ESPN underscore Chicago. This is Chicago's Home for Sports. ESPN 1000. Big thank you to Kendra Smith for producing tonight's show. If you missed anything on Black and Abdallah tonight, be sure to check out the Black and Abdallah podcast. And if you missed the guys earlier today, they were in for Greeny, 10 to noon. You can find that on the Black and Abdallah podcast feed. I'm Tyler Rocky in for the guys tonight. So I asked the question because there's a Quebec class action lawsuit that's alleging that Fortnite is addictive and it will proceed according to a judge. Because of its addictive qualities there. What was the game that the video game, or maybe it was just a game. Maybe it was just a, maybe you were like addicted to Sorry or Monopoly or something like Listen, that. I don't know if I was ever addicted to anything, but that, that Mario game, Super Mario game. Super Mario? Oh my goodness. On yeah. the uh, Super Nintendo. Mm-hmm. That's my jam. Yeah. Um, but so mine, I said, was Call of Duty Black Ops. Love playing zombies with the fellas late at night. Um, but we want to hear what yours are. Three one two three three two three seven seven six. Paul is on the northwest side. Paul, you're on Black and Abdallah. What game would your parents have a case in that you were addicted to? Well, I'm going to actually say it's my wife, and it's right oh. now. And the game is called <laughs> Diablo Immortal. Okay. Yep. So what? That came out what last year? Yes. And this game, I can't believe it. Saying this as a 46 year old man, but I am totally hooked on it. <laughs> it, it is. So awesome! You got to tell your roommates to get on this one and leave Fortnite behind. So but yeah, but as a kid, it was always just video games. Period. Yeah. So my and appreciate the phone call there, Paul. Um, have a good rest of your night. Yeah. So they love that one, and then my other roommate just got the new God of War, and I mean he's he's addicted to his PS Five. Ragnarok it's, one. What was that? The War Ragnarok is that what it's called? Yeah, whatever the new one is, I don't even know what it's called. But he... I just ordered a PS Five, so I think that's what I got. Oh, nice, nice. You, you got the exclusive PS Five? Is it like a special edition, God of War edition? I don't think it's special edition. I just okay. think it's the one that come. It comes with the game. Yeah. That's it. Kyle's in Gurney. Kyle, you got to make it quick. 
Hey, man, so mine was Modern Warfare 2 growing oh, up. Yeah. That's the point. Meet so the boys like at Rust. School. Yeah, Rust. And we got my very first Xbox me and my two brothers shared was the Modern Warfare 2 edition. And that was okay. just addicting. I mean, we'd be fighting over fighting over who could play it. So our parents decided that we were not allowed to play on the weekdays. And I was still <laughs> the only one to not drop a nuke. And I had my two other brothers dropping them oh, in there every man. night. So <laughs> that was it, though. Appreciate now the I'm on fo- the Fortnite kick, so. Now you're, on, you're, you're on the Fortnite kick? Yeah, when I go right. home. It's a great way to connect with my buddies. So. Yeah. Hopefully you eliminate my roommates tonight, all right? <laughs> we'll see about that. All Have right. a good one, guys. Appreciate it, Kyle. Yeah, the, the funniest part, too, is they're always they're playing with like their friends, and they're always yelling, always yelling at each other. Dave, get to the car! Get to the car! It like, has to be stressful. There's one guy who I can tell, too, and I know the kid, too, and it makes sense. Complete liability to the team, but they have to invite him to play. I've heard Dave MF'd more than anybody in my living room. Try to it, minimize the damage he does. Right, exactly. He's a complete liability. I'll be back tomorrow from 2 to 6 with Chris Bleck. Can't wait to talk to you guys then. Appreciate you all listening. Be sure to download the podcast if you missed anything tonight. We will talk to you guys tomorrow at 2 for Waddle and Sylvie. Black and Abdallah on ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports.